You are listening to Jai Long, and this is Make Your Break. I don't know if you know this, but I have been an entrepreneur for coming up to 17 years now. Now, what does that mean? I've actually been an entrepreneur in my eyes my whole life. I've been a young hustler. That's kind of the way that I grew up. It was very unconventional, you know, living in and out of cars, living in tent, living in teepee. We've been homeless. We've done everything. And back in those days when we were so nomadic and we moved around the east coast of Australia, there were so many times that we obviously had no money and we had to get money. And there were so many times when I stood up and I would try and create little opportunities for myself where I would have like a little rock stand on the side of the road and I'd be trying to sell the crystals that I just found. Or when mum used to have paydays, I would be putting together a big production of a puppet show in my room and I would sell tickets and things like that. Or as I got older, because I was probably the only kid that didn't have, you know, pocket money going into school. So I would be doing jobs for people in the schoolyard to try and make a little bit of money so I can have the same food that they were having. So I was always industrious and I was always looking around of like, where's my opportunities? I was never a victim of my circumstances. And I was always excited about trying to work out how I can make things work in my favor. Now, I say 17 years because my first business was when I was 20 years old and that was the cafe. And it was a big business to start off with. I had a lot of fun, um, some of my favorite memories. And you probably know the end of that story. I actually went bankrupt. It caused us to be homeless and everything else. We're living in the cafe. It was a really hard year, but it was the perfect way to start my journey as an entrepreneur and so many things I've learned along the way. Now, one thing I probably don't share enough with you is just some of the learnings that I have experienced and and that I have gained over the last seven years alongside so many of my businesses. So just to sort of spell them out, I had the cafe, I had an electrical business or a tradie business. Um, I was a wedding photographer, so I had that business. I was an event photographer. That was a different business again. I had my DJ photo booth business, had my property development business, I had a clothing brand, no skin business, the wedding expo business, found with love. There's been so many and it's been so much fun. I've had my coaching business, obviously, um, online courses, stuff like that. So there's been so many ups and downs. And today I want to share with you just one big thing that changed the game for me. And we're going to talk about collaborations and leverage. The things that I learned, um, I'm going to teach you some of the secrets. Um, These are from my experience. And when I say secrets, I'm saying they're secrets, so they seem more exciting. But honestly, this is going to be stuff that you already know. And maybe this is going to put it into a new context or give you a new conversation around it and hopefully spark some new um, inspiration and some new motivation in your own business for you to think a little bit differently for your mindset and everything else. So before we get started into today's episode, I've got a couple of announcements. One is this week, if you're listening to this live when it first comes out, I'm doing a wedding photography summit and it's themed on AI and tech. That's happening this week. So you can just head over to weddingphotographysummit.com and you're going to see the details there. $7 tickets and it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got 12 speakers. It's insane. We're going to talk about everything to do with AI. It's um, specifically for wedding photographers, actually, this one and for photographers. And it's going to be like editing, uh, workflows, Instagram sales, like all that kind of stuff. Now, the second thing is each month I've been given away a free one-on-one mentoring session with me, with somebody that leaves this show a five, well, just a review. It doesn't have to be a five-star review, just a review. And so today I want to read one out. Um, I actually did mentoring session with someone who left me a review yesterday and it was so much fun. 
And it was cool that I got to dive in and meet somebody that listens to, to the podcast. And they've been listening to it from the very beginning as well. So I got to finally meet them and pull them through some mindset stuff that they were going through and some blocks that they had. So that was a lot of fun. So today, this one comes from Meg Wilkins. I'm going to read it out to you. So congratulations, Meg. You have won the one-on-one session. Jai, where have you been all my life? Netflix binge? I don't think so. Jai Long podcast binge? Yes. Jai, you've reignited my passion. I'm transitioning from family photography to wedding photography and your knowledge, resources and podcast has given me a whole new perspective and game plan. I was so burnt out and I definitely worked harder, not smarter, but not anymore. I cannot thank you enough. Much love and your new biggest fangirl. Thank you, Meg. Congratulations. If you want to reach out to me on Instagram and I will send you the link so you can book yourself in. I really appreciate you taking the time to leave that review. And if you want to be the winner of one of the months coming up this year, all you have to do, there's a link below. Just go in and take 2.5 minutes maybe out of your day and leave us a review. I really do appreciate it and I read every review. Let's get into today's episode. I want to talk about collaborations and leverage. So what is a collaboration? Well, when I'm talking about collaborations, um, I'm going off my experience here and I'm going to talk about things very differently than how I usually hear it from the experts on Instagram or other people's podcasts or other, you know, wherever else. But when I'm talking about collaborations, I talk about collaborating with money, collaborating with people and collaborating with time and with resources. So I'm talking about all of those four. So often we just see it as just one thing. We collaborate with someone and it's going to be, maybe it's like you're collaborating on a giveaway or something, but we can collaborate with everything. And I think not enough of us think about things like that way. So for instance, collaboration with money, right? So we don't actually own the money. You know this, right? All the money that you have is actually printed and it's still owned by the government, believe it or not. So we have these numbers now in our bank account. And then from there, we get tricked and thinking it's ours, but you know, it's not ours. It comes and it goes just as fast as it comes. And really, if you think about it as a collaborative thing that you have, like a tool to leverage, then you can use it in a different way because you're not trying to hang on to it. It's not yours anyway. You're thinking, how can I use this to progress my business or progress myself or be the best version of myself? And then it becomes a really powerful tool to use. So when I'm talking about collaborations, I'm talking about collaborating with money, with people, with time and with resources, even with time. So often people say like, I just don't have any time or time works against me or I wish I had more time in the day. But really there's so many ways we can collaborate with time to use time in our advantage. And one example is when people talk about investing, people talk about investing money, people, and when they invest money, they always say like, oh, I don't have enough money and I don't have enough time. So What they don't realize, it's not about how much money you have. It's about how much time you have. So for instance, even if you had $20 and you put it in the market and you put a little bit more in, a little bit more in, it's not really about how much you put in. It's about how long you can leave it there for. Because people, things can, or that money can compound over time. And in the future, you're going to say, oh my God, I'm glad that I actually, you know, I made a start that day. And you're going to thank yourself. I think about this all the time. I think about things that I do, and then how I thank myself a year later. So a year later, or say, for instance, this podcast, I started this in 2019. I was scared when I started it. I thought no one's going to listen. I was like, who wants to listen to some Australian guy that's just, you know, he's talking about business. Like nobody wants to hear that. And I thank myself that three to four years ago, I just said, well, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. 
and I did it. And so it's not the fact that I did the podcast and it's not really even the content, it's the time. It's the fact that I keep showing up and showing up and showing up and it compounds and compounds. The same as the habits, right? You go to the gym once, it ain't going to do anything for you. But you go consistently for six months and you're going to thank yourself because you've done the hard works and you can now see the results. So collaborating with time, you can do something now the way that I think about um, collaborating time. If I'm going to make a decision to do something today, I think about myself in a year's time and I'm like, would I thank myself? So for instance, so often people say, Jai, I don't want to join social media and make short form reels and things like that because I've already missed the boat and everyone else is already famous. I'm like, okay, well, that's one way of looking at it. But what about this? If you started today in a year's time and you posted a reel every single day for a year, in a year's time, would you still think the same way or would you be thanking yourself that you got started? Because now you've got time in the market, you've probably learned what you need to do over all the feedback that you got over the last year and you probably got a lot of results and you probably, you know, maybe 10x your following and your business and everything else because you did one thing instead of looking behind you, you looked in front of you. So that's how I like to do I, I personally like how to, um, how to do that. So why is it hard to collaborate? Well, just to get started, there's a couple of reasons. One is you actually, to be able to collaborate, sometimes you have to let go of part of your identity. And often our identity is the only thing that we have. And we fight tooth and nail because we've built our identity for so long and we don't want to change it or we don't want to lose it. And what does that look like? Well, an example of that is you don't want to collaborate with a, if you're a photographer, you don't want to collaborate with a editor because you are the best editor in the world and you have a unique style and that's your identity. Your identity is not outsourcing it to somebody else. Or maybe you have $100,000 in your bank account and you don't want to invest it into your business. You don't want to um, get lose that money. And it's because it's part of your identity. This is how much I'm worth. This is how much money I've worked for. And this is who I am now. So often it's really hard for us to let go of a part of our identity. Another way is when you actually ask for help or you want to collaborate with somebody, it's letting people know that maybe you're not the best at it and that can be a hard place to be as well. So you might think, I am the best editor. I don't need to hire someone. I am the best person to write back to emails. No one can write back to emails as well as I write back to them. I'm crafting this perfect email. You know, and so we've got to let go of that identity that we are the best at everything and then realize that's not our superpower. There's a lot of things that we're not good at. So the second reason that I think it's really hard, kind of alluded to it right there, is because it can mean that we are not the best, which leads us to feel vulnerable. A lot of the times we just hate to ask for help. We hate to collaborate with somebody. We think we it's us against the world. We can compete and compare and we can dominate and we can win. And there's all these things that we think that we can do. And in reality, we're holding ourselves back. So, you know, this, as I talk about a lot through business, we hit different levels. So we go through different levels. And so a starting level when you first start out is you against the world, you're doing everything, you know, you've got that fuel, you've got that fire and you are the best. You know, you want to learn everything. You want to learn every single little thing. You want to know everything that happens in your business. You want to be part and put your fingers into everything because you are the best. And as you start moving up levels, you start realizing that, oh man, I was wasting so much time trying to be the best at everything. Really, I just need to be excellent at the main thing that I do. 
And to become excellent at that main thing, I need to get rid of a lot of other things. Maybe I need to collaborate. Maybe I need to collaborate with a virtual assistant that take over my emails that actually is a professional copywriter that that loves doing emails. Maybe I need to collaborate with a professional photo editor or a video editor or audio editor. You know, maybe I don't need to edit my own podcast. Like if you're editing your own podcast, would your time be better spent in that same amount of time recording another podcast? I mean, I think so. You know, once I got an editor, sometimes I drop two episodes per week now because I don't edit my own podcast. I'm like, wow, with that time spent, I mean, saved. I can now, with collaborating with an editor, it frees up my time to create another episode, which gives us more downloads, which gives us more opportunity to serve my clients, my reach, like whatever it is. So those are the different ways. And to, just to be honest here, like my, especially of recent, my, one of my biggest things like how I hold myself back. And my therapist told me this. Um, it says like, Jai, I think you, sometimes you don't make the best connections with people because you don't want to let down your guard and let people know what you don't know. And because of that reason, you're not reaching out to the ones that inspire you, the ones above me and ask for help or ask for advice or ask feedback. You know, So I sometimes I tend not to do that because I'm like, oh, I don't want to bother them. Why would they care? You know, I should know this anyway. Well, then I feel like, you know, then it shows that I don't know what I'm talking about or don't know anything in that field. You know, so, so many things we feel vulnerable and believe it or not, even though you look on Instagram, you look on TikTok and everyone's like, be vulnerable. It's the way to, it's the way forward. Still, we try our very best to not be vulnerable. We want to show the best versions of ourselves. And even when someone's like, this is me, not, you know, I've got no makeup on. I'm being vulnerable. This is me just in my day life. Like everything still is curated. Trust me. So yeah, we try so hard to paint for our identity. We want to like put our identity out into the world. We believe we have um, our identity that we have created and crafted. And then we fight to keep that identity true, even if it's not serving us. So here's one lesson that I learned roughly around 15 years ago. I was working with my then boss and he was a big mentor for me and I was an electrician. This is actually way further than 15 years ago. At this time, I was just finishing my apprenticeship and I went and worked for a new company. And when I was talking to this boss, this boss, this guy was an amazing guy. He, by the time I met him, he'd been a millionaire three times, bankrupt three times, and he was already, you know, doing it all over again. And, uh, he just inspired me so much with just the way that he thought and, and the things that he did. And he had so many different businesses and like life just sent like a big game to him. He didn't take himself seriously. He didn't take others seriously. I love the way that he moved, right? And so he asked me this question one day when we were in the van together and we're driving to work. And he said, um, he said, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, well, I want to, um, I want to start a business. You know, I'm going to have my own business as an electrician. That's what I'm going to do. And he said, yeah, I see that. You seem like the type of person that would want a business. So in the short term, what are your goals? And I said, well, my goal is right now, I don't even want to think about that until I finish my apprenticeship. I want to finish my apprenticeship so I'm a fully qualified electrician. And he said, why do you want to finish your apprenticeship? And I said, well, because then I can start my electrical business. And he said, why would you need to finish an apprenticeship to start a business? I said, well, so then I'm a qualified electrician. And he said, well... Do you think a qualified electrician is the best business owner? I said, well, no, not really. Actually, there's, I've worked with a lot of electricians that are terrible business owners that have business. He said, that's right. So what if you put your time and energy into learning business 
and leadership skills. And then you collaborated with somebody that was a fully qualified electrician. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, think about this. You don't actually need to be a fully qualified electrician to be a business owner, if that's what you want to be. You can run an electrical company and you can hire an electrician that's a manager and you can actually use their license on everything. Another example of this is like, if you want to be a doctor, you don't have to be the doctor. If you want to start a, or a law firm, you want to start a doctor's practice, like you are allowed to start one as a business owner. I can have an accounting firm if I want to. You know, maybe I actually thought about that. It's like start an accounting firm for creatives. I'd clean up. I don't need to be an accountant. All I need to be is the business owner and I need to be able to collaborate with accountants to work for me, which means... I don't need to go to university and do that degree. I don't need to put all that time and energy into learning the thing. If, if the thing is that I want is to be the business owner, then I don't need to know the little micro skills that go into what is actually happening. Now, the same thing is when I started my clothing business. Did I need to go and do a degree on learning how to, you know, how to design clothes? Like I absolutely did it. I collaborated with somebody else that did do that. You know, it's not a skill that I needed to bring to the table. And so this actually blew my mind because straight away I was like, wow, so you're telling me I can literally do anything in the world. And he's like, yeah, you can. You just, your goals are wrong. So your goal was you want to be a business owner and then the action you're taking wasn't around that goal. It's like, I need to be an electrician. The other thing is if you want to be a business owner, why do you want to have an electrical company? Is it just because of what you know? And I said, yeah, that's right. It's just because of what I want to know. And he's like, are you passionate about it? I said, I'm not, you know? And so I thought about that so many times. Once I finished my apprenticeship, I actually did start an electrical company. But then after that, I was like, you know what? I want to be a photographer now. And I just changed because I realized it wasn't about the craft. It was about, I already knew business. And so I could plug it and play into anything. Those are the skills that I obsessed over. I obsessed over leadership. I obsessed over psychology. I obsessed over strategies. I obsessed over marketing. I obsessed over sales. All these things you can plug into literally any business. It doesn't matter what it is. And so for me, what I learned from my then boss was I need to find the right people to collaborate with that are obsessed enough to go out there and do the university degree, to finish the apprenticeship, to learn their craft, to do the things that they do and they do it well. And then I can employ those people and collaborate with those people. So you probably notice when I'm talking about collaborations, I'm also talking about, so an employee is a collaboration. So someone is like, I, Jai, I'll swap you some of my time for some of your money. And I'll say, yeah, no worries. That's a great collaboration. You know, time is worth a lot more than money in my eyes. So it's, it's a, a win-win because for them, they're at a stage where they don't have that much money. So they're like, well, Jai, I actually have a lot of time. I would love to swap that time for some of that money you got in your bank account. And I say, fantastic, because I've got some money in my bank account, but I've just got no time. So allow me to do a swap with you. And then from there, I hire more employees because I'm mind blown that I'm allowed to buy people's time. Like this is an amazing situation. It's like, wow, look at this, right? We collaborate with people. So what is leverage then? At the start, I talked about collaboration and leverage. So before we get into the secrets, I want to talk about what is leverage. So leverage is the ability to do something that you couldn't usually do by using something else. And that's the collaboration. So it's like using a different tool, using a person, using something else. 
my dad, he used to fix cars and he was, he, he used to an amazing guy in, in his own way. Um, I've talked about him a few times and probably in different light and different memories and stuff. But one thing he used to do is he never had a job and I don't think he was a fully qualified mechanic, but he was just known in my community as the mechanic. And so a lot of people used to take advantage of him because they knew that he had no money, but he had a lot of time. So they'll drive around their cars, like all these friends would drive around their cars to my dad's house. And he would always be constantly working on cars, you know, changing head gaskets and putting in a new radiator and, you know, rewiring a car. Like he could do it all, rebuild a whole engine. So constantly he was working and he was always working for free. His friends would come around, bring him a little bit of, you know, a little bit of dope or something, you know, maybe a drink, you know, whatever it was, they would bring him a couple hundred dollars. He'd be stoked and they would do it over and over and over. So when I was growing up, I used to see it's like, man, people are taking advantage of dad. Like that sucks. But I used to go out there and I used to work on cars with my dad. And in fact, one of the best things that I did with him is he actually got me to pull apart a whole engine. I think I was probably about 12 years old, maybe 13. I pulled apart a whole engine in an old Morris Minor. And he said, if you could pull that part, that engine, every single nut and bolt and lay it all out. And then you've got to, we'll together find the problem of why it's not working then you've got to put the whole thing back together and then you've got to make it work. Now, this is before the days of Google. This is before the days of smartphones. And so I did do that and it did work. And it was one of my greatest achievements back then. I couldn't believe it. You know, someone that age pulled apart a whole car. But there's a few things he taught me. One was I was scrawny. I was a scrawny kid. I was a tiny kid, right? I was definitely malnutritioned. You know, we didn't have much food. We grew up very poor. And so I would be trying to undo bolts. And then I'll get out a spanner and I'll try and undo a bolt. And I was like, dad, can you undo this for me? I just can't do it. And dad said, well, I won't be able to do it. And I said, well, how do you do it then? And he said, well, it doesn't matter how strong you are. You're going to come across a bolt like this that you'll never be able to undo. It's just not in your power. You're using the wrong tool. What we've got to do is we'll improvise. We've got to create a new tool. Now we don't have money to go out and buy the proper tool. So let's make a tool. So what he would do is he would get the spanner and he'd put the spanner on the bolt and then we would craft up a big pipe and we would put a pipe over the spanner like a sleeve. And then from there, we had more leverage and then we could easily undo a bolt. And it blew my mind. I was like, wow, you just created a new tool. We didn't spend any money, but now nobody could undo that bolt, but now we were able to do it and we leveraged it off. So in business, I think about leverage a lot. It's like, there are so many things you just will never be able to do. You just can't do yourself. You would have to learn a lifetime to learn something. You would have to have a lot of money to do a lot of things. But there are ways that we can leverage. And there's different levers that we can pull that makes things so much easier. And the way that I've found that is with collaboration. So the more that I collaborate, I'm leveraging other people's time, other people's talents, other people's skills, other people's ambitions, other people's dreams. You know, I can leverage those to use those in mine and in return, I can help them in some way. So one example of that is someone might come to me and they have spent 10 years editing videos and they're an amazing video editor. And I think about that. I'm like, for me to get as good as you, I need to spend 10 years just like you did. Instead of me doing that, and spending 10 years, I could just hire you. And now I'm leveraging your 10 years of expertise in that field. And I'm using that in my business and I'm paying an hourly rate for it. Like that's a huge leverage. Something else like my accountant, I could sit there and learn all the numbers that I don't want to learn, or I could hire my accountant. I could leverage the fact that that person 
worked so hard to get into a university, got their degree, and then they finished their degree, they started their business, they hired the right people, and all I have to do is I come in and I just pay for it. It's amazing. Does that make sense? So all of a sudden there's all these tools, all these things that we couldn't do before and we can create new tools. We can make new tools. We don't always have to spend lots of money as well. There's always ways to collaborate where it's not just a money exchange. There's so many different things that we can exchange to be a fair collaboration. So let's get into the secrets. Number one, the big secret. You won't actually run out of money. You're going to run out of time, especially when you first start your business. This one's a huge one because everyone is obsessed over running out of money, but no one thinks about their time. Now, as I'm getting a little bit older, now that I'm in my mid-30s, man, I think about time so much. I'm like, man, time. Like I actually thought when I was 25, I thought I had all the time in the world. And now I realize, geez, I'm glad that I made some big, bold moves when I was in, in my 20s because I, I needed that time. I needed to use up that time. So you won't run out of money, but you will run out of time. And this one's an interesting one. I have a really interesting relationship with money. I think it's because I grew up with no money. And I know what it's like to have no money. I know what it's like to literally, like one of my, it's a, it's a pretty funny um, memory, but this isn't a memory that I had growing up. But um, when we needed new clothes, my dad used to drive us around to all those uh, Vinny bins, which is like the charity bins, right? Those big square things where you can go and put all your clothes in. And I was a very small kid. So my dad used to pick me up and put me in, into those bins and he would hang me by my feet and I would go in and I would pick up as many bags as I could and he'd pull me back out. And then once we got home, we'd have these big garbage bags full of clothes and we used to open it all up and it was a free-for-all for me, my brothers and sisters, our friends would come over, my mom and dad, and we'd all be trying on all these crazy outfits and we'd be laughing and we'd be stockpiling as fast as we can to try and get the best clothes, regardless if it fits or not. And then once we did all that, we would wrap up all the clothes again, put them back into the bags and dad would take them down and we'd put them back into the Vinnie bin. So we used to do that all the time. And it's interesting, like having all these memories of when we were so thrifty and things that we had to do to just to survive, you know. So what I have learned though, there's been so many times when I just didn't have money. So many times. I remember when I started my photography business, like we had a nice car, we lived in a nice place, I had a TV and straight away I was like, oh my God, I'm running out of money here. What am I going to do? What I didn't realize is I was actually running out of time and what I did was I just lowered my expenses and I worked out how to make more money. So I sold the TV, I sold the car, we moved out of that house, we went and got a share house so we had more people in one house so we could split the cost of, you know, of living, of electricity, of gas, we could split the cost of food, we could eat cheaper, we could make bigger meals for much cheaper. Um, and we did that, we, we cut all of our costs. You know, the, these last, probably from... 2013, all the way, all the way up to 2020, literally, um, Lilo and I, we cut every cost. Like we fucking definitely went far, so far and beyond when it comes to making sure that we have the money to live our dreams. Because for us, it wasn't about having a fancy car and stuff like that. It was like, how can we move ourselves forward and, and what do we need to sacrifice, right? I think that's really important. So what I've noticed over the years is I've mentored so many people and the first thing they say is like, Joe, I'm running out of money. I've got no money. I'm down to my last dollar in my bank account. But what I've also noticed is somehow when they get to that point, they realize that they can make more money. 
They've got a skill set right now that they can do. Maybe they could drive Uber. Or if they can't, maybe they need to save up and buy themselves a car. You know, there's something that they can do right now. Especially, I see this in the photography industry and someone will say, like, I've got no money. And I look at them and they've got like nice clothes on and they've got nice camera equipment. And I'm like, and they're in a nice house. I'm like, okay, it's all relative. You having no money is very different to me having no money. You doing whatever it takes is very different to me doing whatever it takes. But right now, you have camera equipment. There's something you can leverage from that. You can collaborate with somebody somewhere. You can make money from that. You know, there's there's always something that we can do. There's always something that we can sell. There's always something somewhere we can get a second job. The thing is, if you can, if you're gonna do whatever it takes, there's always there is even if you've got no skills, there are jobs out there where you could pack shelves on supermarkets at nighttime. Like there is something you could be doing. You could Airbnb one of the rooms out in your house. So I've always found money hasn't actually been the problem, but it's been the time. Now, entrepreneurs, what they want is they don't really talk about money so much. They don't love talking about money, but they don't mind. What they do is they get to themselves to the point where they don't need to talk about money anymore. What they want, entrepreneurs, they want freedom. And freedom is the most important thing to them. And so how do you get freedom? Well, freedom is about getting your money as quick as possible and becoming as successful as quick as possible so you can be free for longer. Does that make sense? So the quicker you become successful, this is what I've got a whole episode on this called Get Rich Quick. You know, it's the formula. And the reason being is because the quicker, the more urgent that you create that goal, it means the longer you are actually free and you experience freedom. And to me, that makes the most sense. So... Big secret number one, you won't run out of money, but you will run out of time. So what does that mean as well? Well, in collaborations, it means you need to save some time. You've got to save time and you can do that by buying other people's time. I think it's really important and I'm actually going to talk about that on secret number three. So I'm just going to leave it there for you now. But getting people's time, using people's time helps you multiply your own time and putting your time where it's best served is going to be the best. So this leads me to secret number two. This one's a huge one. And as you're sort of growing through your business and you're hitting new levels, you're going to work this out. It's not how, it's who. This one's huge, big secret. It's not how, it's who. This is a question you should be asking yourself all the time, especially when you ask yourself how. I see this all the time. You don't have to be the best at everything. You don't have to be. You don't have to know how to do everything. You just don't. And so often we pride ourselves on knowing everything. But what you do know is you know your genius zone. Your genius zone is where you have the least amount of resistance and you actually probably get rewarded the most. You get paid the most. And I worked this out a long time ago. I worked this out when I was starting out as a photographer and I started working out that I didn't actually love to package up I didn't love designing wedding albums and I didn't love like packaging up the photos. I used to have like these wooden boxes and I used to send them out to people. I didn't actually love having anxiety about how I have so many weddings to edit. I didn't love editing weddings all the time. I don't love computers. It's never been my thing. I loved photography and I loved business. And so what I realized was I actually spent so much time, most of my time as a photographer on my computer editing or creating content, or on social media, and it wasn't shooting. And so I was out of my genius zone. So what I did was, 
I was like, oh, who do I need to know to take over the tasks that's out of my genius zone, which was getting back to my emails, which was editing photos, delivering photos, creating wedding albums. Like who do I need to know or who do I need? So from there, I actually hired my first employee, which was Morgan. And so with Morgan, he started off by just like designing albums, going to the post office for me, packaging things. And then he started working his way up to, he started editing and culling. First of all, he started editing all my photos. Then he got onto culling all the photos. And after a while, guess what? I started taking on more weddings because my genius zone was actually walking around, talking to people with a camera and creating my art. That's what I wanted to do. It's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything else. And so when I started doubling down on the thing that actually brings me in more money, which is shooting a wedding. And then the thing that no one else can replace, which is me doing that work. And the thing that lit me up the most, then my business started to explode. So I was always like, who do I need to know? Not how do I need to know everything? Now, an example of this is, for instance, I actually was getting a call the other day, Imagine AI, and they edit photos. It's like an AI editing software program, right? And they keep asking me like, Joe, have you actually used it yourself? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't actually. And then they ask me again, have you actually used it yourself? Actually, narrative AI um, also asks me like narrative app. Um, so they do like, so narrative select, they, um, it's like an AI process where it cull images and then imagine AI will edit images. So both these guys have asked me a few times, have you used it yet? And I say, no. And like, Why? Well, the thing is, I don't, honestly, like for my genius zone, it's not going in there and trying new AI stuff. I don't fucking care, to be honest. I just don't care. It's not my genius zone. So what do I need to do? Well, I need to know who uses those programs. So then those people can use those programs for me. Does that make sense? That's back in my genius zone. So yes, my staff have used all these things. I've barely used any AI tools myself personally because I don't do those things myself. I just don't see my genius zone being that. My genius zone is getting in, coaching people, creating another podcast episode, creating another program, you know, impacting people in some other way. Like I do free mentoring sessions. That's more of my genius zone than anything else, like helping people. So me getting in and trying these tools, like I don't need to do that, which I find really fascinating because so often, this is a funny thing. People go, oh, Jai, I'm going to fire my copywriter because I'm going to use ChatGPT. I'm going to fire my editor because I'm going to use Imagine AI. I'm going to fire my designer because I'm going to use Canva and the new AI um, tools that they got, where I think completely different. I'm going to hire a copywriter and I'm going to tell them to use their genius zone and leverage AI to make their job easier. I'm going to hire my designer. I'm going to tell them to use Canva and the AI tools that they have available to them to make them superpowers. I'm going to hire my editor. I'm going to tell my editor to use the AI tools that are out there to make your job quicker so we can produce more. Does that make sense? So for me, it's the human element. It's not how do I get rid of everyone's job and how do I do it all myself? Because then I have to do it all myself, which I don't want to do. I don't want to go around and use all those tools because for me, it doesn't actually bring me any value. It doesn't move the needle. I don't impact people. So if I go back to my why, like I want to help as many creative entrepreneurs out there on their journey towards success for them, you know, change their lives in some way. Me using those tools doesn't do that. Like getting the people around me to use those tools to create strategies around around those things, being consistent, that does because it gets me back into that genius zone. 
Other things that I see, I actually got um, a little bit of slack on this. In my six-figure business map, a couple of people have asked me as of late, like Jai, well, actually they've told me, you don't teach us Facebook pixel on how to put in the meta pixel onto our website. And I'm so disappointed in this because you just told me that I can outsource it to someone on Upwork, but I want to know how to do it. Now, this is 100% my fault. I should have set expectations and stuff. But with my logic, this is the way that I think. I think about when I see something like that, it's who, not how. And so someone's l- trying to learn how. But the thing is with installing a Metapixel, it changes every year. So I've been installing it since I think 2015. It literally changes every single year. So you have to relearn it. The second thing is even on the Facebook website, it's not even updated to how it's changed on Squarespace, on Wix, on Show It, on WordPress. Like it, all the platforms change all the time and Facebook doesn't keep up with all the changes that the platforms have. The third thing is typically I've noticed in my community, it takes up to three hours to do it. And not only that, most people get it wrong and then they have to go back through and then they're in a world of pain trying to do this pixel thing. Now, what I learned was because once you install it, you never have to install it again. It's only once off thing. Once you install it, it's still going to be there in 10 years time if that platform's still around, right? So what I have worked out and I've installed it, I've, I've actually installed it for about 40 clients in the last two months or so. So I've actually gone through this. I know how long it takes and it's painful. It's a painful process. But when I go into Upwork, I've actually just this week, I got about seven quotes and the average price is $25 to get someone, an expert, to install the Pixel for you and you don't have to do anything. It's just write to them and say, hey, I'd like to get the Facebook Pixel installed onto my website and working and tested and then deliver it back to me. $25, you got to charge that to your credit card. Now, when I tell people, hey, you could just get someone to do it for you. The reason being is because if it's $25 and it's taken you three hours to do and you never have to do it again. So why do you need to learn how to do that thing? It's taking you away from your genius zone. If you don't have $25 in that three hours, how could you make $25? Like what is the high value task in your business right now that you don't get to because you are doing low value tasks? For example, I could talk to some of these people. I talk to a lot of people and they say, Jai, I just don't have time to post once a day on Instagram. And if I did, for a year, I know it would fundamentally change my business. So maybe that same person with that three hours, maybe they could create a week's worth of content. Maybe they could batch some content together. Maybe they could go out and have a coffee with a, with a vendor. Maybe they could do a blog post. Maybe they could start a TikTok account if they haven't done that again. Maybe they could repurpose some of their reels that they've actually done and put them on YouTube shorts and start a YouTube channel. So there's, there is so many high value tasks things that you could be doing that if you outsource those things, it probably cost more than getting someone to do the pixel. So the pixel is just a really good and simple example. Definitely not throwing any shade towards anyone that's doing those things themselves. This is just a mindset training. How can you change your mindset around how to do these things? And then remember, you're not running out of money, you're running out of time. So each one of these little things that you're doing that's bringing you a lot of pain, how much time is that setting you back in your pursuit of success in your business? Because every time that you drive yourself away from your main purpose, your main goal, 
and you get distracted by doing these little things, you know, got to create a new website, got to create a new page, got to update this, got to do a new price guide, got to create it all from scratch because I want to be the genius. Like I don't want to get a template. I don't want to get a hire someone to use AI for me. I don't want to like whatever it is. I don't want to install. I want to install my own pixels. I want to, I want to create my own Google analytics. So I want to do all that. Does that move the needle forward for you? I don't think it does honestly. And I think what it does is it masks the fact that you are not leveraging time now and you don't want to let go of the identity that you are a self-made person. You did it all yourself. You had no help. And that's a really hard thing to swallow. So my advice is, hey man, get out there. Like use Upwork, hire people, put it on your stories, just write on your story and say, hey guys, I need someone to install a pixel for me. I know someone out here has done it before. I'll pay you 25 bucks. I'll pay you $50. It'll probably take you an hour. Like, let's go. Hey guys, can somebody please install? Can somebody please set up Studio Ninja for me? Like, I don't have the expertise to do that. Once it's set up, I know it never needs to be done again. Hey guys, can someone send me a questionnaire? Hey guys, can someone help me with my contract? So if we do that, we start leveraging everybody around us and then we can move forward because we get back to our genius zone. So if I started thinking about that, if I was going to start a business, people ask me this all the time, Joe, if you're going to start a wedding photography business again right now, what would you do? And I always say the same thing. I wouldn't do anything. I would, I would literally outsource everything. I would get everybody to do everything. And all I would do is I'd try and make as much money as I can as quickly as possible so I could just keep funneling it to other people's expertise. So then I could leverage myself way forward. I don't care if I don't make profit for the first year, I would build a successful business and I would use all the geniuses that are out there that love doing the things that they love to do. And all I would do is I'll just keep trying to make as much money as I can, which is for me, if I was waiting for photographer, which has been on the camera, that's the highest value task. Doesn't matter if I was just shooting headshots for someone, doesn't matter if I went down to the cafe and I shot some content for them, it doesn't matter. If I was just on the street, just shooting some stuff, it doesn't matter if I have an exhibition, if I start selling some prints, you know, it doesn't matter if I start shooting more engagement sessions, more weddings, more elopements, it doesn't matter if I start shooting some event stuff, you know, I can contact so many venues and go, you got any events coming up? You know, if I really needed money, that's literally what I did when I first started. Contacted all my favorite venues. You got any events coming up? You got any big dinners coming up? You got a birthday coming up? Come, you know, you got anything booked in? Do they need a photographer? I could come out there, 50 bucks, I could do it, no worries hundred dollars, you know, whatever it is. I was collecting the cash. And then from there, I literally did this. I, I hustled so hard. And then, so back in 2013, and I paid someone $10,000 to build our website and code our website. Cause back then they had to be, you know, you, we don't have the tools that we have today. We don't have the templates and stuff. So the same website that I built all the way back then, we still have today because I was like, had the foresight. I was like, I want it to be not following the trends. I want it to be clean. Uh, I want it to work. I want it to be amazing. I want it to be better than everyone else's. And then when I got the quotes back, it was like $10,000. I was like, oh my God, that's more money than I make in a year in my business. So what do I need to do? I need to get, if, if I was building that website myself, I would have held myself back so far. Because as soon as that website went live, I was booking so much more work and I was just back in my genius zone, which actually I'm going to bring you into one more thing. One more thing. So with leverage, it's not how, it's who. It's the same thing with marketing. So, so often we think how. So how do I make a viral reel? How do I get my brand in front of more people? How do I optimize my Pinterest? How do I write a blog post? How do I 
speak to people when I'm trying to get onto the recommended vendor list? How do I, you know, so it's always how. But instead, why don't you think about who? Now, I learned this lesson back in, in the year 2000. One of my favorite albums dropped when, back then, and it was Dr. Dre, a long time ago now. But Dr. Dre released this album. And on this album, it's his bestseller ever. But on this album, it also has Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Exhibit, and a whole bunch of other rappers on there. And I thought it was really interesting because every song has a whole lot of other rappers on there. And all these other rappers are technically, in some way, Dr. Dre's competition. And I thought it was really amazing if you, and if you bought, you know, anyone else's albums, they had everyone on them and they collaborated. And I always thought about that. I was like, it's, that's a bestseller because it was a bunch of people coming together and everyone leveraged each other's audiences and their reputation. And then they were able to create something amazing opposed to them trying to do it by themselves everywhere. So I think about this in business with marketing. Instead of how do I market myself out there? It's who? Who do I need to know? Who do I need to work with? Who do I need to be seen with? Who can I create with? See what I'm saying there? Who can I collaborate with? Because if you start thinking like that, you will have different ideas with your marketing. Wow, there are so many people in my industry right now that I could create content with and then we could do shared posts. There are so many people in my industry right now I could feature on my blog that I could prop up in some way. I can interview on my podcast, right? You see this all the time. I see educators, I see some educators and like myself and they go at it, at it alone and it takes a long time. And then you see people like myself, I'm doing, you know, I just did a thing with someone in my space, like Cassidy Lin. We just did a webinar together. I'm hosting a workshop soon with India Earl and Jennifer Moher and a whole bunch of other people. I've always got people on my podcast. What do you think we are all doing? It's like, let's work together instead of against each other. Like why put in time and energy into being the best by ourselves and trying to prove to everyone that we are the geniuses. Instead, it's how can we create with you? How can we collaborate together? So in your marketing, it's not how, it's who. Secret number three. And this one goes over every single one of secret one and two. But if you haven't read this yet, there's this book. I can't remember who it's by, but it's, it's the 80-20 rule. I just want to finish it on this because most of the time, this is a huge one, most of the time, on average, in a business, 20% of your time and effort creates 80% of your income and impact. And then 80% of the things you do is a waste of time and it attributes to 20% of the results. So the most successful people, what they do is they concentrate on the 20 and they drop the 80. You have two options here. When you work out what's the 20% of the most impactful thing, one is you can drop the 80% and then you can double down the 20 or you can hire a team to work on the 80% and then you double down on the 20. Both ways, you're buying back 80% of your time. You no longer have a time problem. Does that make sense? And what could you do with that time? Well, I just gave you tons of marketing ideas. There's a lot of things you could do that you're not doing right now because you don't have enough time because you're sitting there editing and doing a lot of things that could be outsourced to someone else. Does that make sense? So 80-20 rule, I think this one is so powerful. I think about, and this is how I grew my business, is when I hired Morgan, I was literally like, you do the 80, I'm going to do the 20, and I'm going to bring in so much more money. And then we can do this with so many different things. We can actually, we can actually fire 
80% of our clients and keep the 20. How do we do that? We look through and see who are the painful ones and who are not the painful ones. We often do this without even knowing it by increasing our prices. So I used to, my price used to be $500 to shoot a wedding. You know, when I was a wedding photographer, I had a lot of painful clients. I won't lie. And then I realized that the 20% were the ones that paid more. And then I was like, oh, you know what? The ones that pay around $800 instead of $500 because they added a few extra things, I want to work for those. I'm going to put my price up to $800 so only those people can afford it. And then I realized, well, the people that are not paying $800, the ones that are paying $1,000, they're the ones I want to work with. So what did I do? I put up my prices to $1,000. Minimum price, $1,000. Then I went minimum $2,000, then $3,000, then $5,000, and then $6,000. My minimum price used to be $6,000. And what I was doing was I was getting rid of the 80 and then I was working for the 20 now, what most people don't know is when they put up their price, they go, man, Jai, my, my leads are dropping and I'm booking way less people. And I'm like, I know you are because you literally went to only working with the, pe- the highest paying best clients means you're dropping the 80 and it feels weird for you not to be busy for the sake of being busy. I get it. It is weird. But don't forget... We call these people the big check writers, right? So if I want to work with a big check writer, so when I finished my career as a wedding photographer, I was charging around $10,000 per wedding because I was like, I was always going for the big check writers. Big check writers hang out with big check writers. And those guys, they talk and they love recommendations. People with no money hang out with people with no money. And those guys love to talk and recommend. So then I got to choose who do I want to get recommended by? And how am I going to make that happen? And how do I infiltrate those bigger circles? Well, it's by probably doing a lot less work with a lot less people, but more impactful work for the people that love what I do and that can afford what I'm doing. And those people are going to tell other people. And that only can happen when I let go of the 80 of the other people where I was just busy and I had no time to impact those 20 anymore. Does that make sense? So I want you to think about this. How can you leverage? I mean, you can leverage and you can collaborate by getting a team to do the 80, 80% of all the stuff that you don't like to do. Or you can just drop 80% of the things that you don't like to do as well. Like there's so many clients or so many things that, you know, throughout my career, an example of this is um, as an educator, I was actually going through a bit of a list of things that I do most of my time. And one of the biggest things I did with my time was one-on-one coaching calls. And everyone loves them, of course. And they make a lot of money, of course. One-on-one coaching calls. And then I was like, does that bring more clients? No, it doesn't. Does it bring higher paying clients? It really doesn't actually. What am I doing it for? It takes up 80% of my time. And then my courses and programs, my group coaching programs make so much more money. So I was putting 80% of my time into one-on-one sessions and 20% of time into my group coaching and everything else. So then I just made a decision. I was like, well, I'm not going to do one-on-one anymore. I'm going to buy back 80% of my time. And what can I do then? Well, I can put 80%, but all that extra time, I can double down on what actually works. I can go harder on my group coaching. I can serve more people at that bigger level. I can do more podcast episodes. I can put out more content. I probably could write a book. There's a lot of things I could do that's in that 20 zone that's going to make a big impact for me. Now I'm leveraging time because now I'm bringing back all my time. I think about this with everything, you know, so I have a cleaner that cleans my house. I don't clean my own house. And the reason being is because my cleaner costs $150. And that's per fortnight. And I'm like, man, it takes her about three hours to clean our house. And I'm like, in that three hours, I either want to have a weekend when I'm not working, not cleaning, so I can 
get back my time and I can rest. Or if it's during the week, I'm like, with three hours, I could write another podcast episode. I could start writing my book a little bit. I could, I could do a live video in my course. Like there's so many things I could do that could bring in so much more money. I could collaborate with somebody. I could get on another sponsor. I could, you know, there's so many things I could do. I could just go and have a coffee with another educator. I could, the list goes on. So in my life, I think about all the things that's low value tasks. Like what could I outsource right now? And I worked this out. I remember I was mind blown when I, I was looking for an editor to edit my weddings when I was a wedding photographer. And the most expensive one back then was about $350 per wedding. And they were the best. Now based in, in Sydney, Australia. And then there was another firm, I think in San Francisco. And I was like, wow, for $350, it used to take me a week to painstakingly edit, color grade, you know, do everything. And I was paying. So basically I'm paying myself $350 per week. Here I was thinking I was a high-flying entrepreneur, but really I was reduced down to the basically the lowest paid person in my business, doing the emails and doing these other things, installing a Facebook pixel. I was like, I was spending four hours doing a Facebook pixel when I could have just paid someone $25. I can't believe this. So now I make big impact in my business because I'm thinking about that 20 all the time instead of that 80. How can you collaborate and how can you leverage? Collaborate with your money, with your time, with people, with resources, how can we use these things in our business instead of trying to compete with them, compare with them, or work against them, which a lot of the times we do. So that's it. I hope today's episodes helped you think a little bit differently about your business and where you're at and how you can grow. There are obviously different stages of where we're at, and I'm hoping this lands on you, not before or after when it needs to land on you, because sometimes like I know if I got this advice, especially when I first started, as a creative entrepreneur, I'd be like, yeah, that's all good, man. You got some money, like whatever. But um, I think it's so important when it lands at the right time, you're like, oh, that's the key that's going to take me to another level. I understand it now. Like I don't need to be the best at everything. I don't need to know everything. I just need to know what brings me in the most money and the most joy into my business. And I need to double down on that. I need to work out how to get rid of everything else or outsource, or leverage or collaborate with everyone else on the 80% of stuff. And then from there, business is going to boom. You've been listening to Jai Long. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate you. Don't forget if you haven't left a review yet, I really appreciate it because it allows new people to find the podcast. It actually doesn't change anything, the algorithm or anything. It's honestly a human thing. Someone jumps on my podcast and I have a look and they see my face and it says, make your break. They don't know what it's about. They read the top review and they go, oh, or they see that there's a few hundred reviews. We're trying to get a thousand reviews this year. At the moment, we're sitting at about 300 reviews. So if you could help us in the pursuit, once we hit a thousand, I'm going to do some big giveaway. We'll do something big to hit that milestone. And because I want to give back you guys, I appreciate you taking the time to leave that review. It means the world to me. And I will see you next time. Hey, Make Your Breakers. Don't you hate how you can't sort through podcasts by most listened to, most reviewed, and most loved? Ah, right? As fellow podcast junkies, we feel you. While we can't magically change Apple or Spotify's platform, we have created a little something-something. Sifting through all of Make Your Breaks episodes to date, yep, we are talking all 200-plus episodes. We've meticulously curated some banging playlists just for you. We're talking the all-time hottest hits from Make Your Break, 
starring the juicy inspiration, motivation, and creative biz insights you know and love. Sound good? Jump into the show notes and follow the link to generate your very own Make Your Break playlist.